Chapter Two of The Last Egyptian. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Last Egyptian by L. Frank Baum. Chapter Two. Hatatcha. The mountains of Abu Fida consist of a low range about twelve miles long and from two to three hundred feet in height these hills are wedge-shaped and from a narrow uneven ridge at the summit the sides slope downward at a sharp angle on either side affording little apparent foothold to one who might essay to climb the steeps at the south end are pits wherein were found numbers of mummified crocodiles proving that these reptiles were formerly worshipped by the natives of al which is the ancient city of Kes of the hieroglyphic texts and was afterwards called Kusai by the Greeks. It was, in its prime, the capital of the fourteenth nome or province of Upper Egypt, and a favourite winter abode of the kings of the Middle Empire. The modern village, as before explained, lies a mile or two from the Nile bank, in a fertile valley watered by bubbling springs. The inhabitants are mostly Arabs, or a mixture of the Arab blood with that of the native Fellahim which last in common with the copts are direct descendants of the ancient egyptians the early egyptologists expected to find important tombs secreted in the limestone cliffs of gebel abu fedar but careful search only revealed the mummy crocodile pits and a few scattering and uninteresting cavities roughly hewn in the rocks which might have contained mummies at one time but had been rifled of their contents ages ago the few inscriptions remaining in these rock tombs indicated that they were the burial places of ordinary citizens of case and such cavities as were observed all faced the nile the opposite slopes of the mountains facing the east seemed never to have been utilized for tombs fond as the egyptians were of such opportunities to inter their dead in rocky places above the reach of jackals or marauders Kara skirted the south end of the mountain and passed around the edge of a bleak grey cliff. Here, close against the overhanging sandstone, was clustered a nest of wretched hovels, built partially of loose fragments of rock and partly of Nile mud baked in the sun. The place was called Fedah by the natives, and its scant dozen of inhabitants were those of pure Egyptian lineage, who refused to mingle with the natives of al Kusea the most substantial of the dwellings was that occupied by hatatcha and her grandson it had been built against a hollow or cave of the mountain so that the cane roof projected only a few feet beyond the cliff a rude attempt on the part of the builders to make the front wall symmetrical was indicated by the fact that the stones bore quarry marks and at the entrance arch which had never been supplied with a door but was half concealed by a woven mat the stones were fully four feet in thickness. The other huts, ranged beside and before this one, were far less imposing in construction, but all had the appearance of great antiquity, and those at the north and south edges of the huddle were unoccupied and more or less ruined and neglected. Tradition said that Fedar, in spite of its modern Arabic name, was as old as ancient Kays, and there was no reason to doubt the statement its location was admirable in summer 
for the mountains shaded it during the long hot afternoons but around it was nothing but sand and rock and the desert stretched in front as far as the borders of alcusea kara entering the short and narrow streets between the hovels pushed a goat from his path and proceeded calmly towards his dwelling as he entered its one room he paused to allow his eyes to grow accustomed to the gloom and then gazed around with an expression of mild surprise in one corner upon a bed of dried rushes lay the form of an old woman her single black cotton garment was open at the throat displaying a wrinkled shrunken bosom that rose and fell spasmodically as if the hag breathed with great effort her eyes were closed and the scant tussled lock of fine grey hair surrounding her face gave it a weird and witch-like expression in spite of her age and the clime in which she had lived her tatcher's skin was almost as white as that of europeans its tint being so delicate as to be scarcely noticeable upon a short wooden bench beside the rushes sat a girl with a palm branch which she swayed back and forth to keep the flies from settling upon hatatcha's face she was perhaps fifteen years of age but as fully matured in form as an english girl of twenty-five her face was remarkably handsome from the standpoint of regularity of contour but its absolute lack of expression would render it uninviting to a connoisseur of beauty her dark eyes were magnificent and seemed to have depths which were disappointing when you probed them she wore the conventional black gown or tunic but because of the heat had allowed it to slip down to her waist leaving her shoulders and breasts bare after a long and thoughtful look at his grandmother kara sat down beside the girl and put his arm around her drawing her close to his body she neither resented the caress nor responded to it but yielded herself inertly to the embrace while she continued to sway the palm branch with her free right hand ah my nephthys said the man lightly in the coptic tongue is our hatatcha in the grip of the devils again the girl made no reply but at the sound of kyra's voice the old woman opened her great eyes and gazed for an instant steadfastly upon her grandson her hands which had been nervously clutching her robe were raised in supplication and she said in english in a weak hoarse voice the draught kyra be quick the man hesitated but released the girl and stood up it is the last my hatatcha you know that no more can be procured he said in protest i shall need no more she answered with much difficulty it is the last time be quick kara her voice died away in an odd gurgle and her chest fluttered as if the breath was about to leave it kara watching her curiously as a dog might was impressed by the symptoms he turned to nephthys go out he commanded in coptic and the girl arose and passed under the arch then he went to a part of the wall and removed a loose stone displaying a secret cavity from this he took a small vase smooth and black which had a stopper of dull metal carrying it to hatatcha he knelt down removed the stopper and placed the neck of the vase to her lips the delicate talon-like fingers clutched the vessel eagerly and the woman drank while kara followed the course of the liquid down her gullet by watching her skinny throat when it was done he carried the empty vase back to the crypt 
and replaced the loose stone then he returned to the bedside and sat down upon the bench a bowl containing some bits of bread stood near he stooped and caught a piece in his fingers munching it between his strong teeth while he stared down upon hatatcha's motionless form it was quite dark in the room by this time for the twilights are short in egypt but the pupils of the man's eyes expanded like those of a cat and he could follow the slow rise and fall of the woman's chest and knew she was again breathing easily an hour passed during which kara moved but once to drink from a jar standing in the opposite corner hatatcha's condition disturbed him if she died he would be at a loss what to do unused to work and without resource of any sort life would become a burden to him he was moreover accustomed to be led by the strong old woman in all things and she had been the provider during all the twenty-three years of his life kara had been trained to think deeply upon many subjects but here was one which had never occurred to him before because hatatcha had never discussed it and the matter of her death was until lately a thing that did not need to be considered but her condition was serious to-night and the precious life-giving elixir was gone to the last drop all the people around abu fedah deferred to hatatcha because she claimed with some show of reason to be of royal descent but they did not know the story of Ra and her escapades in london years ago were all unsuspected by them hatatcha only confided such things to kara and he would never dare breathe them to any except the englishman from whose lips the tales would never be liable to return but there was a great deal that kara himself did not know and he realized this as he gazed uneasily upon his sick grandparent she ought to tell him where the coins and jewels had come from and if there were any left he would need some trifles of that sort when she was gone and the matter of her funeral she had expressed strange desires at times regarding the disposition of her body after death how was he to find the means to carry out such desires a voice low and clear fell upon his ear and made him start hatatcha's big eyes were open and he caught their sparkle even in the darkness come nearer she said he dropped upon the floor at her side and sat cross-legged near her head bending over to catch her slightest whisper she spoke in english to him anubis calls me my son and i must join his kingdom my years are not great but they have worn out my body with love and hatreds and plans of vengeance you are my successor and the inheritor of my treasures and my revenge and hates the time is come when you must repay my care and perform a mission for which i have trained you since childhood promise me that you will fulfil my every wish to the letter of necessity hatatcha he responded calmly are you not my grandmother she remained silent a moment you are cold and selfish and cruel she resumed her tone hardening and i have made you so you are intelligent and fearless and strong it is due to my training listen then once i was young and beautiful and loving and when i faced the world it fell at my feet in adoration but one who claimed to be a man crushed all the joy and love from my heart 
and left me desolate and broken like a spurned hind i crept from the glare of palaces back to my mud hut bearing my child in my arms and here i mourned and suffered for years and found no comfort then the love that had destroyed my peace fell away and in its place set planted the seeds of vengeance these i have cherished and lo a tree has sprouted and grown of which you my son are the stalwart trunk the fruit has been long maturing but it is now ripe presently you too will face the world but as a man not like the weak woman i was and you will accomplish my revenge is it not so my kara if you say it my hatache it is so he answered but he wondered then pay close attention to my words she continued and store them carefully in your mind that nothing shall be forgotten when it is needed to assist you i will explain all things while i have the strength of the elixir for when it leaves me my breath will go with it and then your labours will begin kara leaned still lower for once his heart beat faster than was its custom and he felt a thrill of excitement pervading his entire body the climax in his life had at last arrived and he was about to discover what things he was destined to accomplish in the great unknown world hour after hour hatatcha's low voice continued to instruct her grandson occasionally she would question him to be sure that he understood and several names she made him repeat many times until they were indelibly impressed upon his memory at last she took the forefinger of his right hand and with it made a mystic sign upon her naked breast making him repeat after her a dreadful oath to obey her instructions in every way and keep forever certain grave secrets then she fell back and lay still daybreak came in time and a streak of light crept under the arch and touched the group in the corner the aged hag filthy and unkempt lay dead upon her couch of rushes and beside her sat kara his face immobile his eyes staring fixedly at the opposite wall he was thinking End of chapter 2